Praise God. It's good to see all of you out there. It's amazing what two minutes will do. You, you look back there and there's not hardly anybody. You turn around and you got here. Praise God. You're going to be blessed. I believe that in Jesus' name. Well, Pastor Monica and I were talking before church and she said, you know how one person will give a testimony and another one said, well, I can top that. <laughs> well, since she gave that testimony, I have to tell you another one. <laughs> um, I don't believe I've shared it here, but um, about, when was it, Mama White? Maybe a month or six weeks ago, uh, we had a family friend who was having a surprise birthday party. So we all went to their house on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, my husband lost his wedding ring. He said, I, I know I had it on. He said, I was sitting there on the little couch, and I was fiddling with my rings, so I know I had it. It was gone. So we, we looked everywhere like you did, uh, Monica, and couldn't find it. We called back over to the people and told them. They said, we took that love seat apart. It was not there. And I said, well, maybe he lost it going from, they had a long driveway, maybe it's somewhere on the driveway. And so they were going to check that. We looked all over the house. We looked everywhere, everywhere it could possibly be, everywhere it could possibly not be. It was, it was not there, but we just kept saying, well, Lord, just thank you. You know, you, you caused that axe to, to float to the top of the water. You did something that was against human nature. It just caused it to come back. And uh, so it was lost for a good week, week and a half. And my husband went into the little ring container on his nightstand, and the ring was there. Now, you tell me we didn't look in that ring container numerous times, so we just really believe God put it there. Now, my oldest son will tell you that Dad's losing it. It was there all the time. But we believe that God put it there. But thank the Lord he's got his wedding ring. Praise the Lord. You know, don't you, Cheryl? (laughs) Praise God. Well, I've been getting a lot out of this. I'm just so thankful that uh, a number of you have, too, and have been hearing testimonies how people have even gone on the, on the, what do you call it, on the podcasts and so forth, and they've been getting it out of there. So that is just great. The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you. Praise God. And it will quicken it will make alive your mortal body. You know, we have a tendency to want to put everything into heaven. Oh, it's talking about when we go to heaven. No, it's talking about now. Now in you is the Spirit of Christ. Now in you is the anointing. Now you're quickened. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we just thank you that you're going to flow tonight through me and through every believer here. We're going to connect in the spirit like the body of Christ was meant to do. And together, we're going to do the plan that you have for 2015. And then we'll move into 2016 and we'll do that plan as well. Praise God for showing yourself mighty on our behalf. Almeda. Would you let us pray for you? Uh, Dan, why don't you move over? And Charlene, if you'll turn around, maybe Portia, if you'll go put a hand on her. The Lord just wants to encourage you and lift you up. God loves you so much, Almeda. He sees your tender heart. And he's able to use that tenderness everywhere you go. And because you're so faithful to give of that joy and that love that's in you, he's going to give it back to you. And he's going to cause the people in your family to be blessed in a richer way. You're going to see doors open in the near future within the next couple of weeks that have been shut for a long time. You thought, well, is that door ever going to open? It is. It is. Those doors are opening, Almeda, and you're going to see great things happen in your family and around you and even in the workplace. People that you've been praying for for a long time are going to start coming to the Lord 
cobra said, let's just pray in the spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Anybody else have anything? We've been learning about these things. If you have something, now's a great time to, to practice, so to speak. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We want to hear about it, Almeda. It's going to be good. Thank you, Lord. This is the last of our six weeks on this subject, and it's been great to go over the different of the, the nine gifts and to talk about each one of them and how they inter, interweave and how they work together. We're going to start out in a little bit different place tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians, the fifth chapter. Now, some of you people that have been in the work, oh, yes, yes, if you need a Bible, please let our wonderful ushers know, and they'll give you one. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Who knows before you even get there what's in Galatians, the fifth chapter? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. In verses 22 and 23... Tell me some of the fruits of the Spirit. Good. I'm hearing probably all of them. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. In the Amplified, uh, I like the one that says uh, patience, and then it has in brackets, not the ability, patience is not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. <laughs> I'm going to move this mic down a little bit. I think it's catching every puff of my air. Put it down. See if that works a little better. The fruit of the Spirit are joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. It's wonderful to have the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, tongues, healings, and all that. But without the fruit of the Spirit as well, they become... Not so good. We have to have the fruit of the Spirit. So remember those, the fruits of the Spirit. Now, this may seem like an odd place to go, but I'd like you to turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus, the 28th chapter. And while you're turning to Exodus, the 28th chapter, who can tell me what a pomegranate is? What's a pomegranate? It's a fruit. Pomegranate is a fruit. All right, so in Exodus, the 28th chapter, God is giving some directions on how to uh, build things in the temple, not the temple, the tabernacle, how to clothe the priests, and things such as that. And all the things in the Old Testament were given as symbols and signs of things in the New Testament. So there is a connection. We're going to start reading in the 31st verse, I think. Yeah, verse 31. He told, uh, he told uh, Moses, he said, Make the robe to be worn beneath the ephod all of blue. There shall be a hole in the center of it to slip over the head with a binding of woven work around the hole like the opening in a coat of mail or a garment that it may not fray or tear. Verse 33. And you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet around about its skirts with gold bells between them, a gold bell and a pomegranate, a gold bell and a pomegranate round about the skirts of the robe. Aaron shall wear the robe when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the Holy of Holies before the Lord and when he comes out, lest he die there. Fruit and bells together. So this garment that the high priest would wear would have a fruit and a bell, a fruit and a bell, a fruit and a bell. And that was not just for decoration. 
the fact that they had the embroidered fruits between the bells gave distance between the bells so the bells did not hit together and make a clanging noise. Instead of clanging together, the fruits allowed the bells to each ring distinctly and make a, a wonderful tinkling or melodic sound as the priests would go before the Holy of Holies into the presence of God to minister to him. All right, so what does that have to do with what we're doing today? The last six weeks, we've been talking about 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, the 13th chapter, and the 14th chapter. If you look at chapter 12, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. If you look at chapter 14, he's talking about how those gifts should operate in the church. Right in the between them, in, verse, in uh, chapter 13, what does he talk about? About love. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians, oh, that's right, I have it over here on my handout. Or maybe I don't. We're not going to read this whole chapter tonight, but as most of you know, first chapter... 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, uh, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand secret truths and mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, God's love in me, uh, I'm a useless nobody. Uh, in verse 4, he says, Love endures long, is patient and kind. Love is never envious, never boils over with jealousy, does not display itself vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. Verse 5, it's not conceited. He goes on down. Verse 6 says, It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices when truth prevails. Love's, uh, verse 7, Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It tells us in verse 13, And so faith, hope, and love abide, and the greatest of these is love. So right in the middle of two chapters about the gifts of the Spirit, we have a whole chapter on the importance of the agape love of God. It's that fruit between the, the bells to keep them from clanging together and making a, an, a, an unpleasant noise. We don't ever want the gifts of the Spirit to become an unpleasant noise. We want them always to be a blessing to the body of Christ and beyond. You know, that's one of the things we're learning about. When I was reading Summerall's book, he talks a lot about the gifts and how the gifts bless the body of Christ, and they do. But we're receiving revelation in this day and time that God wants these gifts to move out of these four walls. That he wants them to go with you when you go to the grocery store and when you go to the workplace and when you're at the mall. He wants to be able to say, you know, and it may not come out, thus saith the Lord, when you're in that place, but you just begin to talk to somebody and you say, you know, I, I just have a feeling that you're the type of person that, and then you start telling what the Lord told you. You just start ministering to them. And that opens doors to them. They, they realize that God is real, that maybe there is a God who wants to get to know them. And that's when you can share with them, you know, they'll want to say, well, what church you go to? You, you, can, you can tell them, but you can also say, well, you know, this isn't about religion. This is about relationship. This is about God who wants to be your friend and loves you and gave himself for you. Because people have had enough of religion. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's get into chapter 14. So Paul was not ADD. He was not attention deficit disorder when he put chapter 13 between 12 and 14. It's important where it is. And in chapter 14, he begins... Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. 
But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. But he who prophesies edifies the church. That's a bigger thing. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Um, all right, now let me see. Let me get off track here. We're going to go down to verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as, is, as in all the churches of the saints." So here, he's talking about a church that is full of the gifts of the Spirit. People are using these gifts and they're in operation. But there needs to be an order to the event. Um, and as you saw in, what, which verse was it? It said that the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. Used to in the... Um, earlier days, back in the 40s and so forth, it was after the Azusa Street thing, after people were getting to use the gifts of the Spirit, they would think, well, if I have this tongue, I just have to give it. I mean, I just can't sit on it. I have to. Well, it tells us right there that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. You don't have to blurt out something just because you have it. And so why would God be that way about it? Because if it's done in a disorderly fashion, people really won't receive the benefit of it. If you're in a place where there's just one message after another message after another message after another message, it becomes so common to the people that they don't receive it. So there needs to be order. Now, there are different ways that this is interpreted, and I believe maybe there's a place for both interpretations of it, depending on where you are. And Pastor may wish to speak to that as a close tonight. Just how do we do it in our assembly? What, what do we find to be the route that we like to take with it? But it, it's been interpreted in two ways. In first assembly where we grew up, uh, it was interpreted that in a service that you would not have over three messages in tongues and that you would have one person, either the pastor or the pastor's designee, who would be the one who would interpret all the messages that came forth. And that was good for, for a couple of reasons that I can think of. One, because you always knew who was going to interpret and because you had a trustworthy interpreter. You knew this was a person who was founded in the word. They weren't going to give you something squirrely. Another benefit of it in a large group especially is the person who's giving the interpretation, which is the meaning to what is being spoken, is in a place where people can hear them. There's not Sister Susie in the back corner that nobody can make out what she's saying. So there is validity in that, and that is a way that some people choose to interpret that. Other people say that what it's talking about there is that there should be no, uh, no more than three messages in tongues and that only one person should interpret it. Don't uh, Bob stand up and give an interpretation and then Sally stand up and say, well, this is the interpretation I get, that there should only be one interpretation. And there's yet another one. Another one is, and I believe this is true uh, always, 
that in a service, especially a large service, a service where there's activity of the spirit that goes on, there should be a designated person in the service who interprets the flow of the spirit in that service. A person who, who is in a position of leadership and with the, the leading of the spirit knows, okay, this is the way the Holy Spirit's flowing. This is the way we're going and we're going to go with this. And that keeps things in a fashion where people can receive it. They're not buffaloed by it or thrown off by it. They can receive it. One little story to kind of go along with that. And this is a, a good example Well, I think it's a good example because it shows that, but also it shows how I was was telling pastor that I've told a bunch of people the other day that one of the things that the Holy Spirit is just emphasizing so much to me lately is unity. God is all about unity. He loves his family to come together and to function together, to have that love flowing together. You know how it is with your own kids. You love it when they're playing together happily. It makes you nuts when they're... Well, he did that. He did that one. She's got that. I want one too. You know, it just makes you crazy. And so God's the same way. He loves it when his kids play together nicely. When they work together, right, Miss Pat? And and so, um, where was I going? I got so messed up with the kids. Unity. Yes, unity. <laughs> so, and, and there's power in unity, too. Uh, God hears you when you pray. You pray to God, he hears you, he answers to agree. But there is a corporate anointing when we come together and in unity we bring a need before God and we make the declarations that agree with his promises and speak those things. There's power there. And don't you know the devil has an inkling of that and he just hates unity with a purple passion. And he does everything he can do to try to get you to to be rubbed wrong by Sister Sally, and so you're not just not going to go back to that church anymore. And uh, Brother Harold bothers you, so you won't go to the pyramid anymore, or you certainly won't teach in that class anymore because he might show up, and you know how he just sets me off. So that's the way the devil works, and we don't want to let him get away with that. I'll tell you a secret. I found, I know I look very young, but I've been around a long time, that um, you're supposed to laugh. Um, that the people that bug you in the body of Christ, that if you will be sweet and if you will do the love things, you get down the road a little bit and you're going to find that they're either going to be a blessing to your life some way, something's going to happen, that they're going to be a blesser in your life, or vice versa you're going to be a blessing in their life. And you know, and I know, that one of the greatest blessings is to be a blessing. So when that happens, and you get to laugh at the devil, that, you know, we got this worked out, and we did something for God together, it's wonderful. It's gotten to the place where when I see somebody like that, and they start, you know, rubbing me, like I said before, the cat's fur's getting rubbed the wrong way, I can almost laugh wow, something good's going to come out of this. This person down the road is going to really bless me or I'm going to really bless them or both. So that's a secret, but you can have it for free tonight. But saying all that to say this, we were talking about... (laughs) You didn't think I knew where I was going. Um, We were talking about how that, that you have somebody in the service who is directing who is the interpreter of the flow of the Spirit for that occasion, and you lean to that, and God blesses it. Well, a number of years ago, Pastor probably doesn't even remember it, we were having a service here, and the Spirit of the Lord was just moving. You know, sometimes it's just rich, you know? There was things going on in the spirit world. And I was sitting back where I usually sit, and I got a message, and I came to the front, and I sat, And the pastor was doing other things, and he was ministering to people, and I sat. And things happened and went on, and and I sat. And the service was over, and I never got called on. And so I'm thinking, 
Okay, Lord, thank you. I praise you. What, what happened there? Did I miss something? What, what's going on here? Well, you know what the devil would like you to do. He doesn't like you anymore. He doesn't think that you have anything from God. He doesn't care, blah, 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 blah. All these thoughts. So what do you do? Do you stew? No. Do you harbor ill feelings? No. What do you do? You go and talk to the man. Say, Pastor, I noticed that this happened. Did I miss it somewhere? Is there something wrong? The pastor's so sweet. He says, I said, oh, no, no. He said, there was so much going on in the spirit realm. The Lord was doing so many things. His sister Cheryl was over here, and she had a message too. And she didn't get called on either. And, you know, I didn't know, you know. And so praise God. He loves me. He likes me. There's nothing wrong. So don't let things stew inside of you. Just go talk to them. Work it out. And... If you don't agree, you go take this love chapter and you read it till you got it memorized and you act like it and God's going to bless you and there'll be other opportunities and other chances. Amen? Okay, that's real practical. Praise the Lord. Um, okay, we can skip that. I'm going to do a lot of reading to you tonight, but it's going to be good stuff. Um... Let me see where I want to go. Let me bring out this scripture before I start doing some reading of stuff. You don't mind if I call it stuff, do you? Okay, I can move that out of the way. Look at, if you're a fast, fast thumber, look at 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, and the, twen- uh, the 19th through the 21st verse. 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, Starting with verse 19. Let's see, I think I may have marked that over here. Yeah, I did. There are going to be some things in your Christian life, experiences where you are around something that turned out not to be God. Turned out, maybe it wasn't the devil, maybe it was just plain old flesh. And... That has happened in the body of Christ through the years, and we've had places that because of those things, they've just quit allowing it. We, do, we just don't allow the gifts and operation in our body because we just don't want any of that flaky stuff going on here. But let's look and see what Paul says about that. In First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, starting with the 19th verse, it says, Do not quench, the Amplified says, do not suppress or subdue the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, do not spurn the gifts and utterances of the prophets. Do not depreciate prophetic revelation nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. Verse 21, but test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good and to that hold fast. When I read that, it reminds me of Pastor Monica's mother, uh, Gloria Autry. One of her favorite things to say was, you eat the meat and you spit out the bones. And that's just what we do around here. We eat the meat and we spit out the bones and we keep on going. Okay? I would like to read several things to you from Hubie Sin. That's a weird name. Hubie, H-U-B-I-E, Sin, S-I-N-N. He, ha- he came from a very shaky background. His, um, his father was Asian. His mother was, I believe, half Hispanic, maybe half Anglo. And he grew up somewhere in the valley in Texas. And um, they were married. His mother and dad married... Uh, not out of great love, but she was pregnant and she needed a husband, and so she married his dad, who was not actually his dad, was just be a stepdad, wouldn't it? 
And they had a very tumultuous marriage. It was very shaky ground. His mother was, wasn't totally stable. So there was, you know, it was a, a kind of a troubled childhood. But he did get some, some gospel in him, and he did eventually become a Christian. Uh, he was a, an accountant, an accountant, a CPA. And God began to move in him in the gifts of the Spirit. So, and he's had some tremendous things come out of his gifting. But he was an accountant. He was not the pastor of a church. He was not an evangelist. Now, he's doing some ministering around now, but he's an accountant. And so you can be a teacher, or you can be a librarian, or a mechanic, and you can still be used in the gifts of the Spirit. He had, uh, he's written a book called The Wandering Prophet because God has uh, used him in places where he'd meet people, like the airport. Uh, some of you have heard of the book called The Harbinger. It's made the bestseller list. It's by a rabbi named um, Jonathan Kahn. And Jonathan Kahn was sitting in an airport before he ever became famous, had the little curls, you know, like the, uh, what do you call them, Hasidic Jews? Is that what you call them? Where, and Hubie was tired. He had been on a, a rough trip. He, um, he uh, wasn't feeling particularly good, and, and he looked over at this guy sitting over there who was definitely Jewish-looking, and the Lord said, Go talk to him. I have something to get. I, I don't want to go talk to him. He's, he's not even a Christian. Uh, he looks you. But he finally gave in to the urge and went over and sat by him, just started small talk. And then he said, um, I believe God has something to tell you. And he started talking, and he didn't know what he was going to say, but the words just started pouring out. And it was about the, the books he was going to write and the, the words that God was going to give him and how he was going to use him. And the uh, rabbi became really excited about this, and he said, we're getting on the plane. I'm going to find you when we get on the plane, and and you need to tell me that again because I need to write it down. Well, if you've ever operated in the gifts of the Spirit, it really doesn't work like that, you know. (laughs) And so when... And Hubie tried to tell him that, but but, uh, Jonathan Kahn just really didn't want to hear that. So when Hubie got on the plane, he thought, well, I'm going to go to the restroom. Maybe this guy will forget about me. But sure enough, Jonathan Kahn found him later. And he said, and he said okay, now tell me what that was again. He said, he said it doesn't work like that. I, I don't have it. And, and then Jonathan said, well, let's pray. And as they prayed, the Lord gave it to Hubie again. So Hubie was able to give him the words, and it did come to pass. Hubie was also used to um, minister to David Tyree, the Super Bowl hero. Anybody know any sports people? He, I think he did some famous play. They became, well, and he was able to praise the Lord through that. Well, Hubie met him while he was broken. Uh, he had had an operation on his arm or something. He couldn't even throw. And Hubie goes to his house to do tax work for him. And he's arguing with God about, I can't talk to this man. You know what? He doesn't know me. But he told him some things that came to pass in that famous thing he did in the Super Bowl. And so, anyway, that's who Hubie is. Telling you all that to tell you this. These are some things that he has written in his book. And it was such a wonderful book. I strongly suggest it because, uh, like Pastor says, it's just so practical. Um, For one thing, we were talking about uh, the beauty of the prophecy and and people, uh, well, not everybody... We here and love it if if the pastor were to call us up and say, "I have a word for you," and start me, you'd say, "Great!" I love it. Not everybody's that way, but a lot of people do. But there's some people that get to the point where they chase prophecy. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Listen to what Hubie says about that. Some people rely on prophecy too much. They like the rush of hearing from God. They want a fresh word every day. That is not the way God designed us to live. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Prophetic words can give us something to hold on to, but they are not our daily bread. 
When people obsess about the prophetic gift and seek new words all the time, it starts to distort the precious relationship Jesus wants to have with them. They think they can't hear from God themselves, and that's a big mistake. Don't feel like that you have to have somebody speak over you or you don't know what God is saying. He wants to speak to your inward man. In fact, that's the the biggest witness of all. When he takes a scripture out of the word and plants it in your heart and you grab hold of it, that's the most sure word of prophecy that you can get. So Hubie says, by chasing prophecy, they cut themselves off from personal contact with God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That's a promise for each one of us, not just for the prophetically gifted. We all must hear from God for ourselves. Occasionally, he will speak through other people, but that's the exception, not the rule. Here's another thing he points out that I think is, is valuable to use. We're closing up this course tonight. Um, he's talking about his wife, Vicki. He says, Vicki and I have been guilty of this many times, and that is interpreting a word immediately and trying to fit it into the present circumstances. This leads away from hope and toward doubt, discouragement, and despair. We have to keep in mind that God works on a much longer time frame than we do. So God gives you a word and says, you're going to prosper, you're going to move out, you're going to be wealthy. And so you think, okay, next week. This is great, you know, and it may be a time down the road. You just need to thank the Lord for it, hang on to it, find you some promises in the word and stick in there for it. Um, I heard one time, too, I I heard a minister give a word to a young girl about uh, a husband she was going to have. And this husband was going to be wealthy and everything. And I'm holding my breath because you know what's going to happen. Well, maybe not, but what could happen is that the girl then starts setting her eyes on somebody who's wealthy. That's who I'm going to marry. And that's what happens a lot of times just because we're human is God tells us something's going to happen, so we start trying to make it happen. You know, we go to the place where that would be or see the person that would look like that. You know, and, and you need to be prayerful about those things that are given to you, not just start trying to make them happen but leave them on the shelf with God. Thank the Lord it's going to happen. Thank the Lord you're bringing it about, but let him do the work. Okay? Amen. All right, let's see what other goodie we got here. This is worth reiterating. I said this the other night. Um, He's talking about people getting... um, beginning to feel like they're a celebrity because God uses them in prophecy. And uh, that can pollute your gift. You need to always stay before the Lord and stay humble and just remember that God can use a donkey to speak. So just like he did with Balaam in the Old Testament, a donkey spoke. So the fact that you're speaking something from God does not elevate you. Just be glad he's using you and stay humble. The solution to all of this, as with everything, is love. When we love people with God's love, we don't want to use them for our own selfish purposes. We don't try to draw attention to ourselves. And on the other side, we don't resent people for chasing a word. So in other words, uh, if somebody comes and says, Oh, God uses you. Is he telling you anything about me? You know, don't take offense at that. They just want Jesus. (laughs) You know, just say... No, I'm sorry, you know, but I can pray for you, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, but, don't, but don't. Loving people without expecting anything in return and without expecting them to be fully mature opens the way to minister to them freely. Pure motivation means wanting to give people the same love we received from God. Um, uh, ushers, if you'll go ahead and pass out that handout, I'm going to read you something else, but they're going to give you a handout, and we're not going to go over all of it, but you'll have it to take with you. Um, here's something else that Hubie said. I've got a couple more of his excerpts. Let's see which one I want to give first. This one. He's talking about, I just love his, love his 
writing because he's so down to earth. Um, he just tells you, well, I doubted this and I wondered that and I didn't want to do that. So I went to the restroom and I blah, 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 and was hoping it'd go away. And there they were. You know, I, I just love it. But um, he's talking about he had given his guitar, this expensive guitar to a young man in Sweden. And then later on, he found out a testimony about how much it had meant to that young boy. And he said, if you're wondering how I was so sure I was hearing from God in that situation, the answer is I wasn't. I was learning to recognize his voice and the signs he gave me along the way. It took practice. Sometimes I got it right and sometimes I got it wrong. I learned that sometimes his voice is still and small in my head. Other times it takes the form of an urging. Still other times his leading is obvious when circumstances and details line up and make sense. And other times the direction seems to come out of left field. The best thing in all situations is to obey out of a pure motivation. One of the greatest lessons I've learned is to trust God to cover me and correct my course if I make a mistake while trying to be obedient. Did you catch that? One of the greatest lessons I learned is to trust God to cover me and correct my course if I make a mistake while trying to be obedient. Think of it this way. If God showed you grace by cleaning up the mistakes you made as a new Christian and before you came to Christ, how much more grace will he cover you with now that you are walking with him and trying to be obedient? And that's the truth. He says over here, Hubie says, I also discovered that my gift works differently from the gifts of other prophetic people. That goes along with what I've reiterated on several occasions. All those vessels on the shelf, they're all useful. They're all full of God. They're all full of good things, but they don't necessarily look, right, look alike, and they don't necessarily move alike. He says, I discovered that my gift works differently from the gifts of other prophetic people. Some know exactly what they're going to say before they deliver the message. Some see a picture or watch a scene as if they were watching television. Others see and read words as if they were reading a book or a newspaper article. For me, I see nothing and have no idea what I'm going to say. All I do is tap the person on the shoulder, open my mouth, and words start to flow out. I don't try to think about or listen to the words coming out of my mouth because if I do that, the flow will be interrupted. A couple of times in the beginning, I tried to listen and the flow stopped. Maybe God in his wisdom designed the gift to work that way through me because if I knew in advance, I might think about it and back out. I'm reminded of the prophecy Samuel gave to Saul when he was anointed to become king over Israel. In 1 Samuel 10:6, he said, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be turned into another man. That's how I feel when I prophesy, like another man, overcome by the Spirit for those moments. Praise the Lord. All right. Good stuff. I gave you a, a handout from... Um, Rodney Howard Brown's book, and I thought this would be a good um, follow-up for what we've talked about tonight because it's talking about the government that goes with the flow of the gifts and keeping it in order. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'm just going to point you to uh, three of them. Number one, the love of God must be our number one priority. The gifts are there to help people and meet their needs not to exalt ministers. Remember, I must decrease and he must increase. Number nine, give all the glory to Jesus. When God uses you in a powerful way, always give him the glory. And number 10, develop sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leaving. Develop sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leading. Don't grieve him by the things you say and do. Keep a gentle spirit. Avoid a critical spirit. Good words. Very important. In, um, in closing, I want to read you 
a prophetic word from Rodney Howard Brown's book. This is the prophecy given through uh, Rodney, and I think it's very encouraging and it applies to us tonight. The Lord says, There are higher heights and deeper depths of the Spirit of God, and many which sit on the outside and many which settle for the crumbs. But come in and partake of the real, for there is a real. Don't be concerned about the counterfeit. Don't worry about the counterfeit. But look unto the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, for he is the great teacher of the church. He will teach you all things, and he will show you all things to come. So you will learn, you will know, you will grow up into maturity, and you will know this is the way, walk ye in it. And you won't be confused, and you won't walk in doubt, but you will walk with the Spirit and the anointing of God, and great and mighty things will be done. Stir yourself up. Stir yourself up in the Holy Spirit and don't settle for the low things, but move up higher into the place that God has for you. And great shall be the blessing upon you, upon your household, and upon your congregation. For the joy of the Lord and the glory of the Lord shall be among you. And many shall say, truly, they walk in the anointing. They speak by the anointing. They talk by the anointing. And they will know it is not you. They will know it's me, saith the Lord. Amen. I think it would be good in this Holy Ghost lesson if we would just end by praying in the Spirit a little bit, letting God put into your spirit whatever is in there. And if you have not gotten a prayer language yet, if you've not received that, come up tonight and talk to the prayer partners about it because it's that close to you. As we talked about what pastor had said, the spirit realm and the earth realm are not that far apart. They're right there. The Holy Spirit is already in you. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit is in you. What you're saying when you ask for the Holy Spirit to indwell you is you're telling him, I'm no longer just going to keep you in the living room. From now on, you have full run of my house. You're welcome in the kitchen. You're welcome in the bedrooms. You can go to the back porch. You go anywhere in me you want to go. And when you begin to speak in other tongues, that's saying you can even go up here, that place where the rudder of the ship is, that place that gets me into trouble a lot of times. I'm even going to give that to you, and you're going to speak the words that he comes up in your spirit to give you. And our prayer partners, they know how to help you with that. Be be willing to come up and do that with them. But all right, let's just spend a little bit of time praising the Lord. And if you have your prayer language, do it in that. Pastor. God's word says that God wants to use us in these manifestations. He wants to use all of us at that appropriate time when he so deems that it's needed. Amen. Anyway, I don't want to re-preach your message. I could... Get going here. Amen. Praise the Lord. did want to make just one little additional comment, you know, and as I say, I can't take a lot of time. But as you're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is such a such an insightful teaching. It's, it's a teaching scripture by the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost. But as you're reading that uh, and just gleaming from it, let the Holy Spirit show you. In that chapter, when it's speaking of speaking in unknown tongues or in prophesying, and it runs them kind of together, uh, there is parts that refer to what's happening in the church setting, what's going on in the church, and how we how we flow and and function with the Holy Spirit moving in the church setting, and other verses that are referring very specifically to you in your private life. Speaking in tongues in your private life. Praying in your private life. Remember one of the scriptures says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. My spirit prays, but I don't have any understanding. So it it deals with different things and, and good order, both in your personal life and freedom there, as well as good order 
as you see the Holy Spirit flow in the church. So I think sometimes if, we, if we're not aware as we're reading it, we get it all jumbled up there and not realizing that, you know, now this is talking about in the setting, in the corporate setting of the good believers come together. Now, wait a minute here. This is talking about just me and God fellowship and praying, you know, and worship. Okay? So put it in there. You're a student. Put it in there. And as you're reading that chapter, remember to, to let the Holy Spirit show you the delineation. Perhaps sometime we'll come back and just do chapter 14, you know, verse by verse by verse. And we can see. I know when, uh, about probably, goodness, it's been maybe 20 years ago. <clears throat> um, chapter 14 can be, it can be, um, it can, yeah, it can cause questions. It can be confusing if you if you don't realize that. And I learned that key from a teacher, Bob Yandian. Some of you may have heard of Bob Yandian, teacher from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Had a wonderful church, Faith Fellowship, Faith or Grace Christian or Grace Fellowship, I think. Anyway, that's beside the point. But anyway, he 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 taught one day on First uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen, and as he began to teach that and and divide out. Now, this is talking about in your personal setting and then, you know, just you and the Lord. This is talking about as it's functioning in the church. Oh, the chapter just began to make so much sense and was easily understood from that perspective. Amen? Okay, that was my thought. Uh, the prayer partners are going to be here and don't go away without praying or letting them pray with you if you need something. Amen? Yes, sure. Yes. Would you address so that everybody will know if the Holy Spirit decides to move on you or the next person? What is the order in this church? Okay. I can do that, and I'll try to do it quickly. Um, first, I would like to make a comment or two. That, uh, when the Holy Spirit begins to want to use us in, say, tongues interpretation or even in a... Uh, a word of prophecy. Um, I have found it to be true that he usually starts more in a private setting, a small setting. It doesn't mean that it always happens that way. Uh, but usually if the Lord's going to use us in giving tongues interpretation, he doesn't necessarily throw a novice out in front of a whole big congregation of people and expect you to do that. And I'm not saying that he couldn't or wouldn't do that. But that's just, it seems to be a good order that the Holy Spirit teaches us how to be sensitive to his voice and to know when it's really him and when it's really not. Now, I can make, you know, a blunder in my learning, you know, between Monica and I just, you know, letting the Holy Spirit teach us a lot better than I can get up in front of a congregation and give a prophecy that wasn't the Lord. And then it all has to be corrected and so forth. You understand what I'm saying? So first of all, I would encourage you if, as you give yourself to be used of the Lord in particularly the utterance gifts, corporate setting, first of all, you pray. You let the Lord use you even in your private, as when sometimes maybe even, I know with the Lord with me, when, when I would just be in my prayer time, I'd be praying and I'd pray in the Holy Ghost. And then the scripture says to pray that you'd interpret. And I would ask the Lord, well, Lord, let me do that. And that was an opportunity for me to begin to well, this is what the Lord's saying. This is right. And some, I have to tell you, a few times, and, you know, you, you just, there's a knowing in here. You know what? That wasn't really God. <laughs> that was, that was, it was a learning process. You're not, you're not just all of a sudden mature on the highest level of flowing in the gifts of the Spirit in the beginning. Okay, so first of all, do that. You give yourself first uh, in your private time to let those gifts work through you. Tom, ask the Lord to interpret it. Uh, well, Lord, give me a word, you know, and sometimes I, I have in the beginning with just like a prophetic word. Sometimes God just takes encouraging, edifying, and comforting me through that word. And, but it would flow, and I know it was on the Holy Spirit, so it was a teaching time. Okay, I had a reason for saying that, because in the corporate setting, it is best... For people who have exercised, you know, their, their faith, we prophesy according to our proportion of faith. That's our developed faith in these gifts, in these manifestations. <clears throat> so um, 
let's just say, though, the, the Lord uh, is moving on you and you just sense and you know that that's, um, that's you know, this is God wanting to say something. Um, good order. You wouldn't just pop up and start giving it out because that may or may not be the proper timing. Or people maybe have their attention totally somewhere else, you know, on something else. The flow of the Holy Spirit in the, serp- in the service may be going a totally different m- direction at that moment or at that time frame. And your message is for a little different. But you would, good order would be to um, get attention of, a, of the leader. Perhaps, let's say if I'm up here preaching or the preacher is up here preaching, you wouldn't come and interrupt the preaching of the word. But we have it in here. You would come perhaps to Monica or one of, uh, you know, like uh, the uh, head usher or something of that nature and just let it be known. Um, I'm a very strong believer that in the corporate setting, good government, so it is not confusing and it is, you know, everybody gets a chance to hear what's going on is very, very important. So you get someone's attention. Then um, let that person or, de- or, or uh, trust the person who is in leading of that service to, um, you use the word interpret, interpret that service. And that's a good word. I know Dad Goodwin used to use that to us. Uh, be an interpreter of what the flow of the Holy Spirit is in, in that service. Uh, don't get, like Joy gave a beautiful testimony, that, but don't get hurt or or disappointed, or feel like, well, God's, you know, I missed God. If perhaps the interpreter of, that, of the service doesn't call on you, you know, but you'd be totally out of order. Just rush up from the congregation, take over, start giving a tongue, or start giving a prophecy. It wouldn't be in good order. It would be confusing. And in our church, um, I feel very strongly that it's important that whoever is um, corporately giving out an interpretation to a tongue or a prophetic word that we know who they are, that we know them, that we know something about them, that we know from where that's coming from. That's good scriptural order. Amen? So that someone perhaps who is not as mature in the word or not been serving you know, the Lord and is familiar with the gifts of the Spirit as maybe you are, uh, they don't just, you know, grab anything that's given as God and run with it and mess up their lives. So, I don't know, I, I'm trying to put this in a the, in the short, you know, it's like a whole teaching to do. Okay, so would you ask, well, how would you do it? Get the, get the attention of someone. I ask them to go to Monica right now because, you know, that's just the way it's always been. We work together. If I'm preaching, get, your, get the attention of Monica. Or if I'm up here... And someone might, sometimes Joy will just kind of lift her hand or position. Or sometimes one of my ushers will say, you know, this person or that person has something that they feel is of the Lord. Then I can promise you, if I'm the one that's up here, before I just say, come on up here, I'm going to be saying to the Lord quietly in my spirit, is this what you want? Is this the right timing? Is this, you know, do I move on this? And if the Lord, you know, I get that. What do you call it? That velvety feeling. <laughs> you know, you get peace, and I feel like that's, that's the way the Holy Spirit wants to go. Um, then we'll call, and that person then gives it, and um, we'll go from there. If they don't recognize you, just realize you didn't miss God, but that's just, it just did not uh, feel like the direction from the person who's in leadership. And God will respect you and honor you for that. In the very... Um, early years of the church I wasn't as careful to do that and on several occasions because you know the scripture there in 1 Corinthians 14 says well when you come together some give us you know a tongue somebody gives an interpretation there's a lot of things that are going on among God's people the Holy Spirit is speaking different things to different people well um I wasn't experienced in 
letting the Lord use me as to know, interpret which way I'm going, interpret what's the flow, what's the direction of the service here. And so if somebody said they had something from the Lord, I would just, I guess they do, you know. So, the, you know, they might give it and or give a prophecy. And my goodness, it's just like going over 180 degrees of the, wrong, the direction away from where the service is flowing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense to you? I mean, it's just like, huh? Where was that? Well, it wasn't necessarily that God didn't give them something, but the timing was just, it wasn't right. And it didn't flow, and it was, it was just like breaks in the, you know, in the flow of the Holy Spirit. Did I answer your question, or did I just kind of, okay. Anyone have any other question real quickly on that? Right. Praise the Lord. First tongue that I ever gave that I knew was to be interpreted. Because every tongue you speak is not necessarily to be interpreted. Sometimes you're just talking to God. Our our prayer tongue, our worship tongue is just talking to God, not to men. But the first tongue I, I was ever really knew in here, you know. Oh, it was so strong in service. But I had, thank the Lord, I'd had enough teaching that I didn't just jump up in service, you know, and blurt it out and so forth. And I went to our pastors after church. Oh, and that, it was just like crazy, you know. I felt like, oh, I was just like shaking in my boots, you know. I got a tongue. I got to give a tongue. And, and I told my pastor, I said, I don't know what, what this is. I don't... I've never done this before, but I just feel like I've got a, got a tongue. And I just gave it out right there in the pastor's office. And that gave an interpretation. It was beautiful. And it actually was encouraging me, not something for the old congregation. So, you know, you learn in those, in, in those ways. And just step out in, in faith uh, doing that. And um, God, God will use you. And we'll talk more about it over the weeks and months and years ahead. Okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Prayer partners are going to be here. Um, we love you guys. I'll see you on Sunday, okay? Be blessed. When I wander through the desert And I'm longing for my home All my dreams have gone astray